Podcast Answer Man, episode number 339. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, Randy Cantrell with BulaNetwork.com. You're listening to the Podcast Answer Man, Cliff Ravenscraft. Just don't ask him to do math. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to taking your podcast, your business, and your life to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new to this online world, if you have been doing this for many years. This, my friends, is the podcast for you, a podcast to remind us that we can all do something to take our podcast and everything we do in life to the next level. Well, my friends, I certainly hope that you have had a very blessed year here in 2013. The Ravenscraft family has just wrapped up our Christmas together, and we are getting ready to bring in and ring in 2014. 2013 has been a year of many blessings in our home and and in our business here, and I'm just beside myself. And I know that a lot of people have been following my story, and, and I know that there are a number of you out there who follow Podcast Answer Man, not because you're looking to take your podcast to the next level, uh, but you're you follow it because you're interested in this journey that I've been on, this, this journey of taking a hobby about a TV show, this fan podcast, and then all of a sudden creating an online community and falling in love with this idea of creating content that has a positive impact on people's lives. And then all of a sudden, after 18 months, I, I decide, you know what, wouldn't it be great hmm, if it would be possible to leave my career in insurance and pursue podcasting full time? Now, that may not seem as crazy in 2013 as it did in 2007 when I made that declaration to the world, but it was pretty crazy back then. And a lot of you have seen uh, the grinding it out that has happened and has got me to where, you know, to this place where I am today. And then again, there are some of you out there who are relatively new to Podcast Answer Man and, and have recently been introduced to me. And you may have heard some of the stories of the grinding it out and stuff like that, but it seems to be such a very short, brief overview of 2008. It, it usually all of 2008 is usually wrapped up in maybe a couple sentences when I retell the story, even from the stage. And and I don't think a lot of people get the weight of what it took to get to where I am today. But the the reality is is I, I for whatever reason, and and I, I believe I'm I'm on a path that that has been set before me. To be honest with you. A little bit more of a an internal faith thing, a calling sort of uh, situation going on in my life. I, I I personally believe that that what I'm doing is bigger than what I am, uh, than who I am. But the the reality is is that I have achieved some pretty outlandish stuff. I mean, things just seem to fall in place, and 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 there are a lot of people out there I know that 
just want to duplicate exactly what I've been able to achieve. And I get it in emails and, and, and requests for consulting gigs. It's like, hey, Cliff, I'd love to talk with you. Is there any way that I could possibly convince you to do another one-on-one consulting session? And I, the reality is, is that I hate my job and I hate this, but I love this. And, and uh, chances are I'm not going to have this job within six months. And I need to create a podcast and I want to do podcasting full time and make it my career just like you. And I'm like, where does this come up? You know, where, where is this idea that that I, I could ever help anybody turn their passion for podcasting into a career within six months? I, I just don't get that. I was never able to do it in six months. I mean, it was 18 months before I decided I wanted to go full-time, a year and a half of grinding it out, doing it more than a full-time job on top of my full-time job. I mean, the reality that I could ever help anybody in six months do something I've never done personally within such a time frame. And then the question becomes, well, can anyone turn this into their full-time career? Can anyone create... Whatever it is, and and the reality is, I think that there are some of you out there that have that potential. I believe that, and there are some of you that that, to be honest with you, there are so many benefits for you to create a podcast that I really believe you should create a podcast. But are you going to leave your full time career and pursue it within six months? Probably. Well, most people probably not. Uh, maybe. One of out of every thousand of you could put, probably pull that off. I mean, somebody like a John Lee Dumas certainly pulled off something great. But I think even if we were to get John on here, which I'll probably do eventually, because the reality is I think he had, I happen to know his backstory and some of the things he had in place before he began Entrepreneur on Fire. And I think that that it probably would, should be pretty eye-opening to some of you to say, well, okay, maybe I can't duplicate exactly what John was doing because I don't have everything in place that he had before that. Um, but here's the thing. I know that a lot of folks come to me because they want to become number one. They they want to they want to be a podcasting rock star. Uh, in fact, you know what? I just received an interview request uh, from a guy. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't. I don't have his name off the top of my head. I, he sent me several emails, but this guy says I'm getting ready to create a podcast in the new year. Uh, interviews with podcast with the podcasting stars, and I want to interview you. And and so I told him. I said, you know, once you get a couple episodes, once you have ten episodes published, write me back and and invite me, and I'll I'll commit to you right now after you have ten episodes published of your podcasting interviews with the podcasting rock stars, um, then then sure, email me back and I'll do it. And of course, he came back and begged me to do it sooner. And finally, I just stopped responding because I got, ah, he, he wouldn't take no for an answer. So I stopped answering. Um, but to, to that person, if you're out there listening, if you do 10 interviews and publish all 10 episodes on the internet uh, and reach out to me, I'll still fulfill my commitment to you. I will do it. But the reality is, is, is podcast creating podcasting rock stars has never been my goal. My goal and my mission is to help people get their message out into the world. Now, do I believe that you can become an expert in your industry? Yes, but I, I think that that I think some people have this misnomer that where they believe that to become a podcasting rock star, that means you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers, you're known around the world, and when you walk into the mall. <laughs> In any city, 
people stop you and ask you for your autograph. I mean, I know that that's a little outlandish, but the reality is, is that so many people want to create a podcast because they want to become famous. They want to, they, they want to, they want to be able to be among their podcasting peers. They want to stand up high and say, I've made it. And I don't know. I for me, it's just it's just not what I desire to to achieve in life. It, I mean, I've done some pretty amazing things that I know a lot of people would love to to duplicate. And to be honest with you, some of those things they're overwhelming to me. Well, today in this episode of Podcast Answer Man, I am going to be talking with Tom Adams. And in fact, I'm going to bring Tom on right now. He's standing by, and I will then explain to you how uh, this interview came about. But uh, Tom, I've just unmuted you. Thank you so much for coming on to Podcast Answer Man. Hey, Cliff, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to talk to you and to uh, to really you know talk about some of the stuff that you just have been talking about, the the whole sense of of can you make this thing and can it work for you? So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. In in fact, I I, I want to explain to folks that um, this. Well, first of all, before before we get into this interview, Tom, I want to tell you, I, I, you have you been listening to me since we've worked together originally? Here and there, I I, I have to admit, I'm I I've got you on my podcast feeds, but I don't always get to them. Oh, dude, you're do- you're totally out of here now. I, I hear I thought you were a true fit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I, by the way, folks, that is how you answer an, uh, a question. You, you're just absolutely honest. And, and you know what? There are so many of my even closest of close friends. The answer would be exactly the same. And I hope they never ask me on their show. I, I'll I, I love love you to death, but I, I just don't have the time to pull the, pull them all in. Yeah, no, I, I totally I totally understand that. One of the things that you may or may not know about me, Tom, is that my least favorite thing to receive in an email request is somebody inviting themselves onto my show. Right. <laughs> I, I, right. It is one right. of it is one of my greatest pet peeves, and it usually comes in the form of, "Hey, Cliff, I found your podcast, blah blah blah, however long ago, and um, you know I've been podcasting for such and such, and I've achieved this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I think your audience would really." be inspired by my story and I would be a great guest on your show. When would you like to interview me? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I've never heard of you. And, 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 and the fact that I've never heard of you doesn't mean anything about whether, you know, you're podcasting rock star status. Right. But, but the reality is, is that I consider my podcast to be like my, it's, it's, it's like family to me. Right. It's it's like my baby and, and I want to protect it. It's kind of like saying, you know, some kid coming up to the door and it's like, hey, I, you know, I've heard about you and your family and you've got this daughter and I know that she's getting, you know, she's, you know, she's very attractive and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I've achieved this and achieved this and achieved this and I'd like to take your daughter out on a date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. What? No, that's not how this works. You know, let's <laughs> let, let's let's establish a relationship here. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I that that's how I approach podcast answer, man. If you look at the this is episode three hundred and thirty nine. I would imagine if I had to guess, there's probably just under 100 people that have been on podcast answer, man, other than myself. And they're all people I've had at least some form of a relationship with. And then the very few occasions where it's somebody that I was meeting for the very first time while talking to them, it was somebody like a, a CEO of a 
company right. that was a company that I had a relationship with. Right, right. So anyway, that's the little backstory there. But here's the deal. Tom and I have a relationship, although it, it, it was a very brief relationship back in 2010, at least on my part. Um, and and we hadn't even talked since July 2010 until you just sent me an email. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a I, I didn't even remember how long it's been, but uh, I, I realize now that sending you the email was probably not the best thing to do, but somehow it worked out no it it was it was actually a great thing to do um so what i'm gonna do in this interview uh or this conversation i should say is i'm going to read to you line for line what this email said and and then i'm gonna have tom respond to a couple things here so uh but i'm not gonna read the entire email from beginning to end like right now i'm just gonna start with the first line and it literally says cliff you may not remember me, but we did a consult consultation quite a few years ago. You helped me a lot back then get some basics in motion and get started. So first thing I want to show say to you is that um, this was a one. By the way, I keep very good notes on all my consulting stuff. So I looked up. We had a one hour consulting schedule uh, session scheduled on July 21st, 2010, which was Three years and five months ago. Three years, five months ago. Wow. So wow. we talked then. Back then, my consulting rate at the time was $150 per hour. Yes, and, it was. And I can tell you right now, I was still struggling a little bit with this mindset of scarcity versus the mindset abundance in my business and stuff like that. And the reason I know that is because for some reason, I talked you into paying me by check. And I actually, you actually, when I invoiced you, you actually sent me a check. Because I, for whatever reason, I, I didn't want to accept credit cards at the time because they would take 3% of that $150. Right, right. <laughs> Things have changed since then. Oh, man. Can you tell me, um, how, how did you first get in touch with me? How did you first learn about me? And why did you hire me? Do you remember those things? Yeah, I do actually. I I recall the uh, I I have always been interested in in audio. I grew up in a recording studio. My dad had an international radio ministry, um, and I grew up around recordings and microphones. And over the years, I've done some other stuff. I did, I did a tel- a series of television shows. Uh, the the point being to create connections in my community, and. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started going, I, I need to get a podcast going. I, I have this niche industry I do a lot of work in, and I needed to find a way to, to get in front of people on a regular basis. And I knew, I knew the pieces of it, but I knew and I always believe there's somebody smarter out there than me that can solve a problem more quickly than I can figure it out. I like figuring it out. I'm, I, I have fun figuring it out, but there's sometimes you just have to... Uh, you have to create efficiencies. And so I went looking and I found you. You were still pretty early on, but you were selling different pieces of equipment. And I remember when I knew that you knew enough to sell those pieces of equipment, you had to be smart enough. And I listened to every podcast you had done up until that point. And I went, this is the guy that can help me um, move from where I am to where I want to be as quickly as possible. And so that's why I went looking for you. That's why I hired you. And, and you did hire me for a one-hour consulting session. And from this email here, it says you helped me a lot back then. So so basically, you're telling me for one with one hour, I helped you a lot. 
I still have the notes from that session. They're not sitting right in front of me, but I still have the notes in a file folder from that session. I wrote for one hour like crazy. Uh, I never stopped writing the whole time. And uh, we, we did technical stuff. We did... Uh, we went from technical stuff to sort of beliefs about podcasting to we, we went through a whole lot of things. And th- those kind of things helped me immensely just feel like, OK, I can go from this idea of a podcast into an actual podcast that will work. I love it. Yeah. All right. So the, the, the email continues. All right. So he says, cool news on the new house that you're building and more importantly, all the amazing success you've had. Congratulations, very cool stuff. I wanted to let you know that if you ever wanted to have a show where you talked about slow and steady, grind it out podcasting, I've proven it. I'm not a podcast rock star. No huge numbers to my credit. Now, that I'm going to break there in the email. First and foremost, slow and steady, grind it out podcasting. That is my mantra. Yep. That yep. is that is absolutely my mantra. So you certainly picked some phrases that push some buttons. It's like, <laughs> okay, wait a second. And and I love that you even said, I'm not, and this is word for word, I'm not a podcast rock star. No huge numbers to my credit. Well, I I that's you know, when I when I wrote you the email, I wrote uh, because I I really feel like and I hit this all the time in my business. I'm a coach and a consultant. I, I, I meet people regularly who have these sort of notions that, like you talked about at the beginning of the show, there's this magical success that will somehow transpire just by doing something that someone like you's doing. Uh, and, you know, what, what I've realized for myself when I wrote you was to say, I I know that you're talking about this on a frequent basis, but generally speaking, we very much get seduced by people like you um, in terms of the success you have today, but we don't see the work you did yesterday to get to today. And we look at some of these other people who are doing, you know, have really amazing success, but we don't want the work. We want the lottery. Exactly. That is exactly right. And and so you you said, listen, I you know, I'm I'm not... This podcasting rock star, I have no huge numbers. I'm, you know, I'm not 500,000 people or even 100,000 people. I, I've, I've worked slow and steady ever since we first had a one-hour consulting job back in yep. 2010. And by the way, folks, this is the first time Tom and I have talked uh, since this email. And this email, which came last week, was the first time that we had communicated with one another since July 2010. Yeah. And, and and his next line after he says, no huge numbers to my credit, he says, but I will broadcast my 166th episode this week to a really small niche B2B services audience. So you said so many things that really piqued my interest. Number one, the, the fact that you have actually been slow and steady and grinding it out. 166 episodes, divide that by 52 weeks. That's over three years. That's 3.1 years of podcasting. So, uh, and you've been doing that. It was three three years and five months ago that we consulted. And I would imagine that you've probably taken a couple weeks off here and there for holidays because I know that you're, for example, taking this week off. One hundred yep. episode one sixty seven won't go out this week because of a Christmas time. Right, right. No, I actually started the podcast. My very first episode was July fifth, two thousand and ten. So it it wasn't long after our conversation that we we 
you know, like I jumped in and said, let's go, let's go yeah. to work. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I think from what I'm from what I'm seeing here, I believe that you started it and then you hired me. Oh, yes. Yes, that's yeah. right. So yeah. You, so you had started it just like two weeks before our call. Right. Right. And then I realized I needed help. <laughs> <laughs> and then you so so you said this. I, I love this. Tell me a little bit more about your really small B2B services audience. OK, so I I have spent 10 years consulting and uh, providing marketing support services to what is known as the commercial records management industry. Uh, I call it RIM, which is records and information management. And I work with the companies that service uh, the information and records management needs of the business, medical, uh, government uh, world. So uh, when you're required to keep your your documents, your financial documents for seven years, um, my clients are the ones who house those documents for the period of seven years in physical format or who actually destroy those documents at the end. So shredding companies, uh, companies that scan those documents into digital format. Th those are my clients. There's maybe a thousand uh, to a couple of thousand of them in the entire world. Okay. So, so it's a really small number. So, so there, so you're now, when you talk, think about your target audience, your target audience are people who work at this, what, what people within these 1000 or so, uh, target companies, what person in, or people in those companies are you trying to reach with this podcast? Like every employee or are no. you? No. No, yeah. generally, I'm trying to reach the owners of those companies, the executives of those companies, or the senior management teams of those companies. So somewhere between one to five people in each of the companies. Yes. And there are about a thousand of those companies in existence in the world. So we're talking about out of the entire world, you're trying to reach no more than about 5,000 people in this world. Right. Right. That's that's really all I'm chasing. All right. And the reality is this is back in 2010. Um, it, I was the I think the iPhone was just coming out at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so podcasting was a little bit more difficult back in 2010 than it is today to oh, yeah. to, to yeah. get content onto your mobile device and take it with you, your audio content. Um, so w what made you think that podcasting could reach those people i mean i mean that was a stretch to think man that that is that is, i mean i'm all for narrowly niching your audience but man the reality is there's only about five thousand people in your target audience overall and the reality is is how many of those five thousand people even know or care about what a podcast is right that and that was the you know that was my sort of uh, outrageous belief was that somehow I could use this thing and get them to think that way. Uh, and, you know, if you understand Pareto's principle, the 80-20 law, well, I, I really only could ultimately see myself getting in front of maybe a thousand or less. Yeah. Because just the nature of the beast, the, the nature of the reality is there's only so many people who are going to listen to this, have the time, the capacity, the energy, and so part of it came from a belief that maybe I wasn't just trying to reach people with the message. Maybe the, the, the actual act of podcasting was a way of reaching people. And if uh, there's a subtle difference there. Explain uh, that so, a little bit. Yeah. So um, 15 years ago, I did a television show. I had no television experience. I, I 
I was a minister for a number of years coming out of university. I built a chain of menswear stores uh, and I blew that chain of menswear stores up. So I built it and I blew it up. So I had all this kind of strange experience. But what I knew was that uh, I, I'd learned a lot along the way. And so I hung up my shingle as a consultant. And what I discovered was when I tried calling people who were senior executives, owners of companies, they wouldn't let me in the door. So I went, well, this is crazy. So I went to, I was in Canada at the time. I went to my local uh, TV station and I said, can I do a television show? And they said, no. And I said, okay, so what does it take to get a television show? And they they told me that if you do a a treatment and you present this treatment to them, they would figure out a way to make it happen. Well, they were desperate at one point. And I kept asking and they said, okay, here, do a TV show. And so I built this TV show with the express purpose in my mind, not of anyone watching the show, but of being able to actually connect to people that I wanted to talk to. Right. Because I had a TV show to do that with. Uh, And the TV show served a purpose. Little did I know it would get really good and lots of people would watch and eventually the show was broadcast across across Canada. But what it did for me was it gave me the ability to get in front of people I couldn't get in front of otherwise. Right. And so so that underlying belief system from my television show, eventually the value of the, the show became evident, but it was the only way I could talk to people, you know, as a as an you know late twenty year old trying to be a consultant. Uh, realizing I couldn't get in front of people. So that belief sort of lived in my history. And so with my podcast, I have this very small niche audience and I knew that I I could only get a certain percentage of them. But what I also knew was that I could talk to people. And if I talked to enough of the right people, they would then pass the message on. Right. So I, I, you said some wonderful things there, and we'll definitely I'm going to track back to that in just a moment with with your current podcast and the one that you started in 2010. But I, I want to go back to this TV show because it's still a little nebulous to me. What were you? What was your television show about? So my television show is called Adams and Company, and Adams and Company was a show that profiled world class, fast and funky companies and the people that made them that way. Okay. And so I had this and it was kind of like a business magazine show in my local marketplace. And so the first year I did it, that's what I did. I went to really cool companies in in my greater city, which is west of Toronto, uh, in the in the sort of metropolitan area companies that I thought were really cool. And what I did was I would call the CEO of the company or the president or the owner and I'd say, hi, my name is Tom Adams. I have a TV show on the local TV station. I'd love to interview you. And they would go, yes, okay, I'd love to. Yes, let's do that. Because, you know, at that level, everybody wants positive publicity in their local area. Yeah. And so it served to really get me in the door in places, but it also served to help the community see what these cool companies were doing and some of the behind the scenes stuff. And I got to interview and discover all these really cool people doing really cool stuff. Now, question for you here, where back at that time, uh, were you doing the same kind of coaching and consulting work that you are today with records management? No. Back at that time, I was I, I had a shingle out and I thought I could help anybody. Uh, and, you know, I've I've learned a lot now that I'm midway through my life. Now that I'm I'm 
budding onto 50, I realized that I can't do that very well, but there's a certain type of audience, a certain type of person I can help. Uh, and I've got a whole lot more history to, to, to prove it. But, uh, at that point in time, I was just trying to get in front of people and somehow find my way. I mean, I was just, I was struggling. I, I mean, it was a, it was not easy where I was. I didn't make any money on the TV show. There was no revenue from it. It was actually cost. It cost me tons of time for every one hour. I mean, for every th uh, 30 minute show that we produced, every minute of that show took an hour to actually build a production around. Yeah. So like 30 hours every week without getting paid, I was doing this because I wanted the experience. Little did I know all of the requirements. I had to pay all these other people who who you know, ran cameras and lights and all those kind of things. And, and the sponsorship money barely covered that. And so I left with nothing, but I left with all this amazing experience and connections. And connections. That came as a, yeah. And, and, and at the time, you were offering coaching consulting services, but not targeted to any niche. You were just looking to help anybody in any way that you thought that you could. Right. And, and it landed to some business here and there, but it wasn't really focused. Is that, is wasn't that what I'm hearing? At all. That's that's exactly what you're hearing. I, I got really cool gigs out of it. Like I found people through that. And once they knew so that the, the television interview would be done and they say, so tell me about you. Are you or I, you know, I just strike up a conversation and they then I tell them, well, no, this isn't my job. I just do this for fun. I'm actually a consultant and this is how I consult people. And I got some connections out of that that led to some work, but it was spotty. It was spotty. So, so when, what, when did you get, how did that transition you at one and how long did it take before you transitioned from that kind of work into I'm doing record records management consulting? Well, strangely enough, my, uh, my younger brother and, uh, my, my stepdad and my mom owned a business, uh, a self-storage business and within the walls of the self-storage business. And I didn't really understand this until later, um, my, my brother called me one day and he said, I I've got a big issue. One of my employees has stolen a whole bunch of money from me. I know you're a consultant. Can you come and figure out why he stole money from me? Can you figure that out for me? So I went and I, I helped them figure out what went wrong and it was a systems issue. And we kind of worked our way through that. And as I got to know his company better within the walls of his large self-storage enterprise is a commercial record center, which is a place that stored the physical files and documents of the business world. I didn't know he had that. I knew he had self-storage, but I started looking at this thing and in ongoing conversations as we were trying to help him fix his business, he said, well, why don't you come and work for me? And I said, I'm not, I'm not working for you. I'll work with you. And so I actually went and spent uh, two years working with him in his business uh, in this particular record center. And I helped transform that from a sort of a storage business into a professional services business. And we grew that significantly. And at the end of that period, that two year period, I realized I had gained some valuable knowledge about an industry mm. and this valuable knowledge about the industry gave me some credibility that I never had before. I, I was an insider now instead of an outsider. I was somebody that even during those two years, because of my history and experience of being a speaker and a consultant, uh, I would go to the conference and, and eventually was asked to speak at conferences. 
And so I would speak to these audiences and all of a sudden something changed that didn't work the previous 10 years when I was speaking and consulting before because I was talking to an audience where I knew their pain, I knew their struggle, I knew the story, uh, I knew what was going on inside their world. And so I was able to take that knowledge and actually bring the kind of things that I was very good at to the table and teach people how to do it from their perspective. And all of a sudden this light bulb went off was... Uh, the the smaller the niche, the bigger the the impact you can make on a small niche. Instead of trying to be a small impact in this big pond, I was making big impact in a very small pond. I I hope that everybody who's listening to me right now, that you will strongly consider hitting the little button that will take you back the the little thirty second rewind button. Go back and hit that about four or five times. And go back and listen to that statement at least three more times. Because, yeah. Tom, I, I don't even think you could say it again a second time no. as well as you just said it. No, I couldn't. That is huge, the, yeah. the, what you just said there. And, and that's why I, I'm so thankful that we went down this, this this question about how you got into this business. You went out there, you cre- you, you're... You're trying to find your, your space out there in the market. You're, you're doing some creative things. You create a television show to get you in front of people. You build some connections. It's working. But then all of a sudden, you do discover this power of the niche. And you found that, yep. wow, the, the idea that you have a little bit of insider knowledge. You, you've for over, of course, and by the way, this didn't happen over six months. <laughs> it didn't even. No. It, it, two years, you worked inside of this friend's business getting to know their pain points and and not even really understanding that that it doesn't sound to me like it was your intention oh i wonder if i can get in here and understand all the pain points and in two years i can launch a completely different career path for myself no no i i didn't i didn't have that intention at all but all of a sudden after two years of experiencing and working things through there you realize oh man i i could i could leverage what i know and and here's the one thing and i i i I think I already know the answer to it, and I'm willing to be wrong if I am. Uh, but Tom, let me ask you this. When you decided, hey, I think I'm going to be a consultant slash coach specifically to this narrow niche market, were there other people out there who were offering services like what you wanted to offer who probably had a great deal more experience and even knew more about the pain points and even had you know knew more about solutions than you did at the time? Oh, without question. All without right. question. Yeah. And they're in the, by, by a long shot. Exactly. And so that, you know, what, and, and, and of course, the question we all often ask ourselves is, who, who am I to actually stand up and say, I, I'm, I'm the person to give you the solution to your problem? There are other people out there who are far more qualified than I am. And I hear this a lot from my students who want to create a podcast around a specific niche. They're like, there's people out there know a whole lot more than I do. But the reality is, Tom, is there are over a thousand of these companies, just over a thousand of these companies, and there aren't a thousand of those experts out there. No. Well, and the thing for me was always, um, and somebody taught me this, so I'd claim no no ownership of it, but this lesson that that you just spoke of, I, I don't know enough. There's other people who are smarter. I always believed that I was in sixth grade helping people in fourth grade. Exactly. Remember, in, remember in fourth grade, you went, man, somebody in sixth grade is a rock star. They, they know what they're talking about. They, they have it figured out. If I could just get that sixth grader to teach me something, I'd be set. 
well, I, I don't consider myself a PhD talking to fourth graders. I, I just a little bit ahead on some areas. And if I can just share my wisdom, my knowledge, my expertise and help people along the way and provide exceptional value, it will be of value to them. So th- that notion that you have to somehow have it all figured out, just have it a little bit more figured out. It's that whole line in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is king. Nice. I love it. All right. So so you create this consulting business where you're consulting in this uh, service industry, the the records management industry. Yeah. And you've been doing this for 10 years. You come and you create a podcast called it was a RIM Pro Report from the beginning. Right from the beginning. Yeah. I called it the RIM Pro Report right from the beginning. All right. Yep. And the idea is that I want to reach as many of the up to 5,000 people I could potentially or that I, I want to potentially reach within these companies yes. uh, that exist today. Um, in your mind, did you believe that you were going to reach? How many of those people did you think that you would be able to reach? I've always believed that Pareto principle, which is if you've got an audience of X, then the likelihood is you're going to reach a variant of the 20%, um, you know, whether it be 15% or 25%, but you're more likely to reach that number than the big number. So, so I was more convinced that, that this show was about the 500, not the 5,000. Okay. And how did you, when, when you positioned this podcast and you created the Rim Pro Report, Yep. How did you market this so that you could potentially get into those people's, uh, so that they became aware that you exist? Well, the, the advantage of knowing an industry is you know who the influencers are. Good. So it was my immediate intention to uh, connect to influencers, people that I knew had had influence. And so I started doing that. So fairly early on in my in my podcast string, I interviewed the the. Uh, executive director of the industry associations that represent the industry I service. So there's a few of those and I, I talked to each of them. So by getting them on the show, they had this audience that they broadcast to on a monthly basis, sometimes a biweekly basis. And so if I got them on, I could get some, some sort of flow from that. Uh, I also believe that there were were practitioners in our industry, so consultants, other people who were not doing what I did, but but had all these audience members in that same industry who were who were also connected. And so I, I was very strategic about the 500, trying to figure out who are of these 500, who are the best people to get on early on to get some to get some flow to it and to get some listenership. And, you know, early on, I I think probably like you did early on, uh, the novelty of this thing was so unique in the marketplace that there was certain people who grabbed onto it and, and, uh, really enjoyed it because what I believe it was my job to do was to help people in the industry tell their story to their peers and that, that's really what I, I was not trying to educate them. My job, I felt like in this podcast, was to let their peers tell them their story. And when you tell somebody your story, what happens is they learn something from your story more than they do from a lesson plan. So for me, it was always just uh, interviewing people and letting them tell their story and being really good at interviewing them to discover that story. And when I help them discover their, their own story and tell it, then they 
they'd you know say to all their friends, "Oh my goodness, I I was just on this show," and so I got some some reverberation effect from people who really enjoyed telling their own story and other people who heard about it, and it just kind of created its own little little uh, momentum wave, and that momentum wave within this really tiny audience. So. It, it, the show has it always been an interview format or has all the episodes been interview format or have you done some uh, shows solo where you do yep. kind of talk to your audience yeah i've done some solo shows uh i've done i've done what i called year in reviews and i've done sort of some episodes where i brought some of my my knowledge to bear on certain situations that were happening in the industry but 90 percent of the shows have been interview based excellent very good so your your audience today, I mean, are you willing to share what, you know, what the size of your audience is, the like number of people who download your show? Yeah, I, I get about a 500 uh, download per episode in the first couple of weeks. Okay. So we, we, we broadcast every Thursday and and that first week and a half to two weeks, we get about 500 and then it depending on who it is and who's made more noise about it, the, the longer term um, trail of that can really grow. So we, we have some shows that are up in the, the thousands of listens and others who sort of get stuck at 500. Gotcha. Yeah. That, and, and that is a very good, solid niche podcast audience. And, and even, yep. even I know, I know your overall target audience can't be more than, you know, approximately 5,000 people as we've talked about. Right. But but even even in a small very very narrowly niched audience, um, as as niche as you can get down, even if they're even if the potential target audience is in the you know fifty thousand hundred thousand person range, I'd still say from my experience of what I've seen in working with other people, about five hundred to fifteen hundred downloads per episode in a narrowly niched audience. That is a very good sized audience. And and especially if your content is so niche that it's not really appealing to anyone outside of that niche. Right. Chances are those people are the most loyally engaged people you could ever have as a subscriber. And the reality is, is you have just as much influence with your audience of 500 to 1500 as somebody who as as far as the influence of somebody who, let's just say, has an audience of. 70,000 people right whereas their you know their content is all over the map and yeah. you know what they say when they make a suggestion eh, it, it's about the same amount of influence even though they have a much larger larger audience as far as when right. I say influence the number of people who when you say hey I really think you should go check out this and you provide a call to action and the people actually do engage and, and move forward with that so, yeah. so the next thing I have here, by the way, so basically you said, but I still broadcast my hundred and uh, let's see, I will broadcast my hundred and sixty sixth show episode this week to a really small niche B two B services audience, and then you said I have an exclusive sponsorship. I've had an exclusive sponsorship for two years now. Yeah, how did you land that sponsor? Well, I. I knew that there was people in the industry who were were big believers because they had told me that and I had actually had them on the show and uh, one such company was a software company who is progressive, is leading edge in what they're always trying to do and the 
the senior vice president of that company who was responsible for marketing and sales and all that said, you know, we spend our money on all these other things that don't seem to get us in front of people on a regular basis. I'd rather spend it with you. And he pulled his advertising from some other places and put it in the RIMPRO report. And and what was kind of cool about that is that g- gave us this whole second wave, both from the perspective of, of this consistency that that brought to the show, but also the second wave of every time we did a show and put it out there, they broadcast it to their audience. And they were the largest, uh, they were the actual largest uh, software company in the industry. So it gave us this sort of duplicate effect. So every time we did a show, they would tell their audience about us or their clients about us. And that really built this really nice momentum once they once they joined as sponsors. Now, the sponsorship, is it a significant percentage of your business income or is it something that simply offsets a few of the costs associated with your online efforts? Uh, it's it, it's uh, compared to what we produce as a company overall, it's really small, but it, it helps to pay my, my, um, my staff who helped me with the show. It helps to pay all of the, the expenses related to the show and, and really gives us that capability of being really efficient at doing what we're doing so that I'm not spending all my time editing shows and all of that kind of stuff. I, I basically put them, turn the mic on, turn the, the uh, dial the dial the phone and the interview happens and after that I don't touch it. So this this show is obviously you did this for a year and a half before you had your sponsor. Uh, if if I did the math right, and of course as uh, my good friend, uh, <laughs> uh, right, who was that at the beginning of the show? Randy, don't Cantrell. let you do math. He, Randy, right. Randy will tell you. He says, listen, you know, don't let Cliff do math. But I think you nope. did this for about a year and a half before. You had a sponsor. You would have continued to do the show, I, I believe, without a sponsor, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would definitely have done it. I just don't think this show would have uh, been as consistent. Gotcha. I, I feel like it would have been more inconsistent because when you have this this sponsor who says, I'm sponsoring this show and you've got an agreement with them, you go, I got to get a show at this week. So there's more energy around making sure a show's done than uh, than without a sponsor. Do you have any feeling uh, or have you worked out any kind of measurement for with your sponsor to find out how your audience and their sponsorship on your show has helped them? Uh, we've talked about it over the years. Uh, in fact, just this this week, I got an email that said from listening to uh, my show, a listener in South America had actually decided to buy the software uh, that uh, sponsors my show. So there's, you know, there's been those sort of peripheral things. The, the goal was always just to keep their, their name on, uh, on something that was much more interactive. I think they, they're, not, they're not typically measuring it by how much business did they produce. They were spending the money anyways. They just believed this was a better spend for them. Yeah, that makes that You know, there, there's a lot of talk about ROI. You know, what is this return yeah. on investment? And it's not always in direct sales. Sometimes it is name recognition and... Right. And, and, you know, the type of message that you're putting out there and the integrity of, of who you're supporting with your dollar, right. with your ad dollars. And so uh, very yeah. interesting. And then what about your your audience? Have you had anybody in your audience who has said, hey, in the past two years, you've had this sponsor and I've purchased their software. And wow, what a difference. Thank you. Have you had anything like that? Oh, yeah. No, I've had people who have definitely made the decision to go to that that direction with their software purchase based on who 
you know, who's sponsoring the show. So, yeah, it, it's come up, but I don't necessarily see the end results of that. And I don't necessarily hear the end results of that, but I'm aware of the connection because in a small market like this, there's only so many software companies as well that are servicing this market. Absolutely. So, so those connections become uh, fairly evident relatively quickly. But in a lot of ways, too, a lot of the audience... Uh, are already people who are in the business, so they've already purchased the software, and it's a reminder to them that this this software company continues to support uh, the industry and continues to support them through it. Awesome. The next line of your email says, I've gotten paid to be a part of international conferences and events using the podcast as the hook. Yeah, uh, so I'll I, yeah, I'll tell you this story. So um, I get called one day from the association, uh, the two associations, and they're holding a conference in Europe. And the the pitch to me was, can we do the RIM Pro Report live in Europe? And I went, yeah, what, what are we doing? And basically, they wanted to take my whole podcast format and put it on the stage at a European conference where I actually interviewed CEOs from Europe about what was happening in their business and their perspectives on the industry. And so the, the whole show got basically taken to the live stage, which was a blast. And so the first, the first day of this event, I interviewed three CEOs. And then the second day, I ran strategy sessions with all of the, the participants at the conference about what we had learned from the CEOs the previous day. So we called it RIMPRO Live in Europe. And it was it was really taking the 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 show in essence. I interview people, figure out their story, really you know try and figure pieces of their story out to 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 pass on and and come at it in a unique way because I know the industry so well that uh, it's it's actually produced other revenue capabilities for me, such as a stage. And now we're talking about the the international conference. Uh, this coming year of actually repeating it for an international audience, not just a European audience. And in your email to me, you said, uh, for example, you so you told me about the conference and you said that you were very well paid for this. Well, the yeah, the um, when you're traveling, when you're a, a major event. So I was actually a keynote event. The RIMPRO Live podcast on stage became a keynote event. And as a keynoter, I know you do a lot of speaking in the world now, uh, that this as a speaker at a keynote, you're generally paid pretty well to do that. Yes, you are. So, so it's a basic and not only that, but you're in, in, in the audience of the people who are watching you do your thing, your sweet yeah. spot on, on stage live yeah. talking. Not only are you, you know, we talk about having a podcast where, you know, you talk to some of the CEOs and the movers and the shakers and the influencers. Uh, I talk about how you, you get credit credibility by association, Yes. You know, and, yes. And, and so we talk about so not only are you getting that from your podcast, but now you're on stage and you're doing it in front of these people. And in the audience on, of this conference, I would imagine, you know, the some of those 5000 people in your overall target audience are sitting there watching you. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in Europe, a whole bunch of inter, 
a much more international audience shows up and many of them are regular listeners to my show. That's, that's what's kind of cool. And then you get that sort of reverberation effect. So these people say, I listen to the show and these other people haven't listened to it. They become the newest listeners. And I mean, it's interesting to watch after I go to Europe, what happens on my Libsyn, uh, on my Libsyn um, maps know what what kind of coverage starts happening and where the action is and you start seeing a much more international flavor to it after an event like i did last a couple of months ago and the most amazing thing is when you you know you, you created this podcast to help reach a certain uh very targeted narrowly niched focused audience yep. uh to help take your coaching and consulting business in this in this industry to the next level and and we you've already proven uh, that you're willing to invest a lot with your TV show in the past to to get the right exposure to get the connections and stuff like that. So I, my what I love about this is because of your podcast, you were paid extremely well to do your thing on the stage. When in essence, you probably would have paid for the opportunity. Well, yeah, everybody else in the audience is, I mean, all the other vendors in that, that space, because not only do I do coaching and consulting specifically with executives, but my staff, uh, we do marketing support services for that industry. And so every other vendor to that industry is paying for a booth, uh, paying for space. Uh, I am paid to be there, paid to be flown there, paid to be on the stage essentially paid to be marketing as opposed to paying to market. It's it's a delightful place to be. And and the chances of that scenario happening without the podcast would have been what percentage? Well, the podcast is a part of this bigger overarching and I, I don't I don't want to diminish the role of the podcast, but I, I write in all the industry magazines. I, I have made it right. my belief that I want hooks into this industry in every possible way. So I, I, I would speak, I, you know, I've, I've spoken for years at these conferences, uh, but the podcast has been a part of that because it, it's built a much broader uh, ability to talk to people every week. Like, uh, like you, we all think we know you because we listen to you every week. Right. A lot of people in my industry uh, believe they know me and believe they have connection because they hear me talking every week. It's just, it's part of building this, this interwoven um, connection to people that is done in a, in a broadcast mechanism as opposed to a one-on-one mechanism. And, and what I, and the one thing I heard that you said there, Tom, you said, I'm not saying that this opportunity to keynote and do interviews with these CEOs would have not happened had it not been for the podcast. Uh, and and what I heard was, I've tried to put my hook into this industry everywhere I can. I've yep. I've been speaking on the conference circuit, um, not just at the big conferences, but the small ones. Yep. I've, I've been writing for industry trade magazines. And, and this is what I want people to who are listening to this podcast, if you want to make it in your podcast space, if you want to get this type of recognition in your industry, no matter how small it may be, creating a podcast alone isn't what does it. No, it, no, it's, it's a real grinded out mentality. And that's why, you know, I, you've mentioned that term, but to me, if you want to own a space and be the number one uh, person in that space in whatever you're trying to accomplish it 
there's no magic formula that I'm aware of. The magic formula isn't going to work. And it's, you know, putting your butt in the seat and writing articles. It's showing up at conferences. I showed up at a lot of conferences before they let me speak. I, the very first conference I went to in this industry, I actually called the the uh, one of the, the association directors and I said, I've never been to your conference before. But how can I help? And so I actually, the very first conference, went and recorded, did all the recordings for all the different speakers that happened. And what that allowed me to do was get to know people. So, I mean, from the very beginning, if you're going to dominate a niche and be well-known in a niche, it really takes effort. It's not magic. There's there's no magic formula to it. It's, it's every day, every day every conference, every event showing up and making yourself valuable. Always create value, create value, create value. And so many people want value to be given to them before they go and create it. Absolutely. I, I see it over and over again. And and that's what I love about this. And and, and I love the, the honest answer. So, so the podcast certainly was valuable because not only it basically helped solidify the other investments you'd made yes, in grinding absolutely. it out. Absolutely. And, and so when it's like, gosh, Tom Adams conference, he, he, he writes these articles in our, our journals. He, he writes these reports. He's, he's blogging. He's doing, he's showing up at these conferences. Everybody, I've heard his name a couple of times and, oh, not to mention the fact that he's interviewed so-and-so and he's got a weekly podcast and he's done an episode right. almost every single week for over three years. This yeah. is amazing. We got to have him out to our show. We'll make him the keynote and gosh, yes. let's have him bring our podcast out live. It'll show that we're forward thinking. We're on the latest edge of technology. Yes. I love all of that. And and what what was really cool about it is like in this event thing, uh, we've we've used the podcast, I, I believe, to actually get that sense of of regular co- connection with people and constantly talking. But even on the podcast, we took the three CEO interviews and actually made them episodes. So then we rebroadcast to these CEOs and these CEOs were from large companies. So they have their whole internal network. But the grinded out of the the eight, the seven years before I started the podcast, you know, you only got to show up in people's lives generally once a quarter or once, you know, every three to six months, because that's when the conferences or that's when the magazines come out. Now I'm there every week. Yes. And that's what changes the the flavor of it for me. In in your podcast, do you do calls to action, you know, advertising your own products and services quite often? Do you do it every now and then? How 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 do you do that? Almost never. Okay. Yeah, I I I see the podcast as my place to create community. And by creating community, I am the most known and trusted. So I, I don't, I have always started from the premise, it's my job to build trust. Uh, there's enough other places where I'm marketing to the industry. This tool has been a place to build trust and build connections. I like and, that. And when I have trust built, when I build trust, uh, the the actual people who come to us to work with us never question us. We never get question on pricing, any of that kind of stuff. When they, by the time they show up to work with me as a coach, me as a consultant, uh, my team as as support marketing support services, they're already trust committed. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing all this work in advance, never to have have to figure out that 
that sense of do they trust me or not? They they're coming trust trust prepared leads. I call them excellent. Yeah, I I love that. And 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 uh, there's no question, especially in 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 such a a small audience like that, you have people out there consistently talking about you on a regular basis and they know who you are yep. and they know what you do. And yep. it's, and it's, and it's not the, their only opportunity to hear about what you've got going on in your world is not your podcast. Although they do hear you more frequently now in other areas, they are quite aware of what you do outside of the podcast. Yeah. And, and I think what, what begins to happen is when you understand that your job, for me, I don't see my job in my podcast as selling anything, but it doesn't diminish the fact that I don't say what I do. And I don't talk about the fact that I have, you know, I learned this from a a consulting client this week, or one of my coaching clients discovered this, or, you know, as we, as my team figures out what's wrong with Google AdWords this week, those things come up frequently in the conversations I have. Ah, So I, I, I don't, I don't disown the connection. The connection is what gives me credibility. So I create trust. I create con- uh, these these connected relationships. I do that broadcast wise. But I'm constantly talking about the life I live, live, which is serving people in this industry and serving them with the, the tools and the tools uh, and the staff that we have. So there is this interconnected part of it. I, I don't see them as separate, but I don't use the podcast as a, as a sale selling platform or an offers platform even. Right. And, but yet, uh, in the email you said, I've gotten paid to be a part of these conferences and, and using the podcast as a hook. It has gotten me business and referrals. So absolutely. Without question, without question. Well, the other piece of it is that, I often, as part of my strategic um, decisions on who I invite onto the show, I'm inviting people that don't know enough about me yet. So I, I will go out and seek to talk to a, a company or a business that I don't, we already don't have an existing relationship with. I will talk to people. And after I hang up from the actual interview conversation, we often have 15, 20, 30 minute conversations after the interview is done. And those interviews have led to new business, to referral business, to all kinds of stuff coming out of that. Wow. That is very cool. And then you said, uh, and I, I want to wrap, because we're, we're just over an hour now. I want to wrap up with just uh, the end of your email. Uh, you said, it might, be, uh, it might help your listeners remove the greatness expectation as well as help see them uh, see the extreme value in small number podcasts. There's gold in this stuff. I could not agree with you more. Oh, yeah. You said we could talk about the incredible uh, marketing value of a podcast that I've received for the other aspects of my business. I think we've talked a little bit about that. The one last thing down here, you said, I've started a video podcast as well, and it's now on its 50th episode. Yeah. So I have a couple specific direct questions, just yeah. real technical okay. in nature here. Number one is the video, I guess the, the video podcast is in iTunes as well. The video podcast is in iTunes as well. Yeah. All right. And do you have the video podcast episodes as content on your own YouTube channel as also? I have them on YouTube. I have them on my website. I have them on Wistia. Uh, I, I broadcast them yeah, via uh, Wistia and I put them on YouTube for the sort of net catching effect of YouTube. Absolutely. Now, when you create now, this is a specific brand. 
this podcast video podcast does it have its own youtube channel or do you include it with other content on your on a business branded uh youtube channel it's a slightly different variation. So my my audio podcast is to this specific industry, the records and information management industry. My video podcast is called Thrive in Five, and it's five-minute videos teaching people about something that will help them thrive. And it's a much more diverse. So I have I have all kinds of people listening and watching that, um, but it's 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 not specific. It lives within my great, it has its own channel on YouTube, but it lives within my personal uh, brand on YouTube, my bigger channel on YouTube. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very different. It's a very different reality that the the two worlds are very different. Um, uh, It's, I do whiteboard videos. So we, we have a whiteboard wall in the office and we have a sort of a systematic way we do videos. Um, We didn't talk about it, but I have a whole intern process with a standard operating procedure. So it takes five minutes to set up the studio. It takes five minutes to record a video and then then my team goes to work and actually edits the videos or edits the the podcasts, the audio podcast as well. So there's there's a whole system behind how we do it such that I spend most of my time in front of the microphone and doing or in front of the camera instead of actually doing all of the detailed work behind the scenes. And I've I've worked that out through interns and developing standard operating procedures and process maps and some of the stuff I learned from you. I mean, the, one of those original pictures, I bought not only an hour of your time, I also bought the $39 setup on the one of the um, the the gate limiter gate compressor limiter gate from you because yep. I didn't I and so that becomes part now of our standard operating procedure. There is a way that all the buttons must be set on on the audio equipment. There is a way the buttons must be set on the the video camera. The lights have to be this many feet from this wall and turned this way. We have complete uh, operating procedures around that, so we can be extremely efficient around it all. That's awesome. And you get so you have interns from a local school that come in and yep. do, do this yep. stuff for you. Yep. And we've taken interns and moved them into our part-time staff. And and so uh, because the the podcast is growing, because the video podcast is growing, uh, I moved an intern now who we really liked, and he actually does all the social media posting around the podcast and the video cast as well. That's awesome. Well, Tom, yeah. man, I, I can't thank you enough for 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 first of all, for sending me the email and to, to let me know of your story. It, for me, I find it personally rewarding to know that, you know, a one hour consulting call had uh, had a, a an impact on your early part of the podcasting journey and, and stuff like that. And to to come, you know, three and a half years later and to hear what you've been uh, doing in the podcasting space, and the fact that you would write to me and say, "Listen, I want to tell you, I'm not a podcasting rock star. I don't have you know hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and, and I would love to come and talk about the value of a very small audience and what I've been able to accomplish with it." And and that this is a message that I absolutely love. It's something that, uh, to be honest with you, I, I I believe that there are a lot more out there like this. And and I just uh, am thankful that you came to me so that we could highlight this and let people know the the real value I believe that a podcast can offer when you actually instead of thinking about a podcast as a business, when you actually take a business and use a podcast effectively to market to your yeah. very narrow, uh, small niche audience. So, wow. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, and I, I have to say thank you because 
three and a half years ago, you were the shining light. You, you continue to be, obviously, and your light gets brighter and brighter all the time. And you, you have such a huge impact on the world now. But for me, three years ago, the impact that you, you had was huge because it made me believe I could actually make this thing work in the long run. And I know you felt like you were just getting started, but you were in sixth grade and I was in kindergarten at that point. And, and everything you had to offer was, was a huge, huge amount of inspiration and motivation for me to make this thing happen. So thanks for your, both your influence then and your continued influence on, on me as well as the whole community. All of us listening are, are really grateful for the role you play in our lives. Wow, it's my pleasure. And do me a favor, folks can find you online. I know that you have the rimproreport.com, but you know, for, if you guys are out there and you're into that sort of industry, certainly check that out. But Tom, I happen to know that you have some other things out there. Another website that I think is branded with your name and in this video content sounds like it'd be of great interest to a lot of folks. Where would you like to point people to? Any place yeah, you want to send them? Tom- TomAdams.com is my personal domain. That's where the videos show up. Yeah, unless you're unless you just want to see what's going on in the RimPro Report, RimProReport.com. That's that's really the industry specific podcast. But the greater stuff I'm doing is at TomAdams.com. Tom, thank you so much. I wish you a very Merry Christmas, a very prosperous and happy 2014. Yeah, you as well. Thanks, Cliff. Actually, start that over. And with that, my friends, we are going to wrap up this final episode for 2013. I cannot believe this year has come to an end. And yet I cannot believe all the amazing things that I have seen and witnessed this year. Wow. Blows my mind. Folks, I hope that this episode has been a great inspiration to you, especially, especially for those of you who are thinking about how can I monetize my podcast? How can I grow my audience? How can I do this? How can I do that? Now, another episode that is along the lines of what was discussed here today is a podcast episode that I did just a few weeks ago. And if you are just tuning in, go to podcastanswerman.com slash occupation. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash occupation. And that will take you to episode 324. And uh, I, I think it just fits perfectly alongside this episode. So if you're, if you're only tuning in every now and then to Podcast Answer Man and you tuned into this episode and you liked the content, I think that if you were to go right from this to episode 324, you will be even further inspired about how you can take something that is your passion, your interest, an area of expertise or uh, insight that you have into any industry, any niche, and finding a way to create a business around that. And then you can see how even a small audience can have profound impacts, impacts, do you like that? Impact on the growth of your business and not to mention the fact it's not just the podcast i think that's the important thing you know what other things are you doing are you speaking at conferences are you connecting with people through social media are you investing time in other online communities where people in your target audience are interacting are you attending 
those conferences, even if you're not speaking and building relationships, networking with people? Are you looking for ways to serve and help people with what you know from your experience? That, my friends, is what it's all about. It's not just getting behind the microphone, showing up, and then watching everything just fall into place. It is a lot of grinding it out. Slow, measured growth. And sometimes it can take a long time for the right people to notice. But eventually, my friends, eventually you'll get to the place where things will start taking off. Happy New Year. God bless. And we'll see you in 2014. And by the way, one last thing. There is still time to sign up for that final, or no, the first, I should say, Podcasting A to Z course for 2014. PodcastingAtoZ.com. Helping you to get the thing you do to the next level. Podcast. Add some math.